Today is July the 1st, 2012, and the topic today is living holy. You know, the church as a whole today seems to have a problem with that. Can you see that around you? Yes. People that say they're Christian, organizations that say they're Christian, but they don't live like it. You know, God has been doing in this church, in this congregation, since we've been here. He's been moving tremendously. He's moved people here from other states and other areas. His anointing and his wind and his power has begun to move and develop. But it seems sometimes that it's come to almost a standstill. And that God has been showing me that it's time that we move our lives to a higher level of holiness. Amen. Can I, anybody been feeling that? Anybody? Yes, sir. What do I need to do, folks? <laughs> it's ringing up there. Yeah. You know, we're going to talk today. <clears throat> uh, point is about holiness is what I'm going to bring, bring forward to try to. We're going to talk today about uh, what's keeping us from that. We're talk about, we're going to look at four things. We're going to look at some people who had problems living holy. We may have some of those same problems. Uh, we're going to look and investigate we're going to look at ourselves and evaluate ourselves. And then we're going to talk about the standard of holiness that God sets for us. And in the end, we want to talk about what to do about it and how to achieve it. Okay? Yeah. Get an amen on any of that. Amen. Yeah. All of them. All of them. Okay. Jesus is coming back for a church. Everybody agree with that? Yes. Okay, and what is that church going to look like when you get Help now. Spotless. Yes. And um, in Ephesians, it says, if I can find it, I know it's in my book because I got the page. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, 27, it says, And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Now my other question is, are you ready? Hmm. Are you there yet? There. There. You know, we can't achieve this on our own, in our own flesh, in our own walk. We can only achieve it through the Word of God and the anointing of His Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that today. But what are some of the things that's keeping us? doing that. And uh, I want to look at uh, some people that had problems in the Bible. We're going to look at Achan in Joshua 7. I'm going to have to get you up here to find mine. <laughs> there. <clears throat> and we'll st we're going to start in verse 1 and 2. And it says, But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regards to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmel, son of 
Zemar and the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took some of the things took some so the Lord was anger burned against him now Joshua sent men to Jericho sent them men from Jericho to Ai <clears throat> which was near Beth Aden to the east and um, uh, Bethel and he told them go up and spy out for that reason now you know this you know this story but let's talk about Achan. I know all of you know this story. I'm pretty sure as I look around the room, you know more about this story than I do. But do you, do you think about this? Who was Achan? Achan was not one of the, the people that God delivered from the bondage of slavery from Egypt. It was not that. He was more than that. He was more than that. Because of their lack of faith and disobedience, they fell dead in the desert. But Achan wasn't that. Achan had already come past that. He was one just like you and I. We, he, had, um, he was on the path to the promised land. He was there. Now, if we read in verse 10 and 11, this thing's scratching a little bit. Are we doing okay on the mic back there? The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied. They have put them with their own possession. Now I want you to look at a word here. And it is they. Underline that word in your Bible. They. It wasn't but one man that sinned. But his sin affected the whole family. It goes on to say, as we read further, it goes on to say that there were some uh, 30 some odd men that, that, that died because of Achan's sin. Wow. But you know, it, it gets worse. This is where it gets personal. <clears throat> when we look at... Uh, Verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him the praise. Tell me. Tell me what you have done and do not hide it from you. Well, he was, he was under the microscope now because he's been pointed out by God. You know, when the word tells you your sin to find you out, this what it's talking about. You know, he wasn't any different than us. But he had gotten to a place where he took God for granted. Because he saw what was behind him. He saw God deliver his people, deliver his people from the bondage in Egypt, through the Red Sea, from the hand of Pharaoh. He saw that. And he knew that God was going to deliver them from Jericho. He saw the wall fall, but he took this for granted and he covered it himself for himself. Now, in verse 25, Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. And then we know what happened. God took him and his family and all that he had, all his animals, his, his goats, his donkeys, and everything, they stalled him. They lost a lot because of what? 
It wasn't because of a lack of faith. <laughs> because he had got comfortable and familiar and took for granted what God commanded him to do. You know anybody like that? You know what the problem is? Is that I mean, this guy, he's dead and gone, okay? But the, the, the whole church, the whole body of Christ today because of our sin, of what we take for granted, or what we neglect to do, right? I'm getting way too quiet here. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to get personal today. Come on. Promise me you won't get mad at me. And if you do, we'll pray <laughs> Now we'll look at another guy here. And uh, this is a rich young ruler in Matthew. And it's uh, verse, we'll start in verse 16. Now, a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good things must I, uh, must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want eternal, if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. And he said, which one? Uh, the man inquired. Jesus replied. Do not murder. But Jesus was saying, God really had to go to God. There's a reason he, this, this kid was asking him this. You know, he said, well, do not murder. Don't commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not um, give false testimony. Honor your father and mother in love. Your neighbor as yourself. And the guy says, all these I've kept, the young man said. What do I feel like? Now, there's two ways of looking at this. Now, maybe this kid had was convicted, convinced that, man, I'm missing something in my life. I'm just not, I'm just not, you know, I do all these things according to the commandment, but something's missing in my life. What else do I need to do? Now, that's the way I would like to think the God was talking. But more than likely, in his own self, in his own eyes, he thought he was keeping all these commandments and he was good enough. And he was seeking a compliment from Jesus to confirm what he already knew. He was good enough. Maybe, maybe he was looking at that. Maybe. Have you, do you know anyone? Do you know anyone that uh, will come to you with a question that just wanted you to agree with them? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's what he was doing. But you see, there's one thing. <clears throat> well, let's, let's go on and see what Jesus told him. He said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. We all know, know that he did not. He couldn't follow that. He couldn't have too many things. He couldn't give them all up. You ever find yourself in a place where you had something you couldn't give up? You see, these people are not much different than us. You know, uh, he, he said he's kept these all of his life. So you know there's one and there's several commandments that Jesus didn't name them all that. But he said, one that Jesus left out on purpose was, Thou shalt not cut it. Mm -hmm. Jesus, knowing all things, knew the problem that this young man had. Mm -hmm. And had he added that in among the commandments, and thou shalt not cut it, and so on and so on, then the man would have said, Well, of course I don't cut it. But Jesus, and the Word of God has a unique way 
of getting inside of us. Amen. Amen. And explaining this in such a way that we realize, hey, I do have a problem. Amen. He had a way of explaining this. Jesus did when he told him to go and sell everything that he had and give it to the poor. Now, did God want you to sell everything you have? Well, you'll have to talk to you. I'll put a few please out before I do. But I dedicate everything that I have to the Lord for you. Joel and I, we've been married 40 years this year. And uh, we built four houses over that period of time. And they're just a house. It's just something that God could use. If God can't use it for his glory, it's just a burden around my name. <laughs> just to keep it up. So, I'm saying is that it's all for God. I want to look at two more characters here in the book of Acts chapter 4 that several people in my walk, in, in the Christian walk, that would, that would fit in this category. They didn't do anything that a lot of people today have done, will do, and still call themselves Christian. Verse 34. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land and houses <coughs> sold them, brought the money for the sale, from the sales, and put them at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, the Levite from Cyprus, who the apostles called Barnabas, which means in some of encouragement, sold his field and um, sold his, his field and brought the money to the feet to the apostles' feet. Now a man uh, named Ananias, together with his wife Sophia, also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge. The lady. Sometimes you don't want to know everything. <laughs> but with his, his wife's full knowledge, <clears throat> he kept back part of the money for himself. But brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have led, lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money. And so we know the story. Uh, did, he said, he said, didn't it belong to you before you sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money for your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men but to God. And we all know after that, as soon as he heard that, he dropped in. He probably wouldn't have a whole lot of lying in church today. But Peter asked a good question there. What made you think of such a thing? Was it the way he was living his life before? 
Was there something in his life he didn't want to let go of? You know, <clears throat> he wanted to be like so many people in the church today. They want to look like the church, but they want to be something else. Or they want to do the things and have the anointing of God, but they don't want to pay the cost. Now, think about they wanted the church to believe that they gave all to God. Look at me. know a lot of people that were like that. They wanted to, they wanted to be something at the expense of somebody else. Okay? But was it right for God just to take their life like that? Well, think about this. He, they were, they were setting an example here. The people before him set an example, and they gave everything for God. And these people just wanted to look like they gave everything to God. And if God had not done something about that, what example to the rest of the church would it be? And where would the witness be? of the people that did give everything. Y'all are too quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is coming. Hear me, I'm going to be a little slow. <laughs> but I'm old, give me a break. <laughs> now, number two was that I want to look at some of the things we want to Can, could we, Could we get by, could we think that some of us in the church today would do some of this stuff? Come on now, do you really believe somebody would do that in the church today? Mm -hmm. Now I want you to know that I'm going to eventually quit talking about the church and I'm going to start talking about you. Mm -hmm. Because we hear a word preached every week. And Brother Eric has done an awesome job and the other guys preaching, you know. And that we come to the altar sometimes, but do we leave changed? Or we take a mess home put it into action. You know. <clears throat> We can look at things like, do we rob God? For me, Malachi talked about the tithe. Let's look at that. We've got enough time. I'm not going to keep you here too long. chapter 2 verse 8 will a man rob God yet you rob me but you ask how do we rob you in tithes and offerings you are under a curse the whole nation of you because you are robbing me now, do you think nobody in the nation was tithing? But yet it says, you're going to curse the whole nation because you're robbing from me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse house, and there may be food in the house. You know the story about the tithe, what we're supposed to do. I'm not preaching about tithe. I'm preaching about holding on to things. And in the end, they're not working. I'm talking about putting things that we have, things that we own, things that temporarily in our possession, and that's even our life. 
holding on to something. Man that loves his life, he'll lose it. Man that loses his life, he'll die for the game. Is that right? That's right. Or close. <coughs> The whole nation is on the pillow. Turn with me to uh, James. We're going to skip around a little bit today. Chapter 4. First one, what causes fighting and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill, you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight, and you do not have because you, you do not ask God. And when you do, Yes, yeah, God was on motives. Now, sometimes it's hard to determine a motive. You know, because we're human. I live in this little old flesh right here. And it wants something. It wants that. And sometimes, in my mind, I can uh, justify my motive. So when you're justifying your motive, I want to give you a little hint. Don't use anything that's around you to justify that motive or to measure that motive against. Use the word of God. Amen. 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 I can't go wrong with the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will direct that. We'll talk to more about that. You know, but I told y'all I was going to get personal. I'm fixing to get up in your living room. Come on. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 10. Yeah. Let's look uh, starting verse um, 27. If some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go. Eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of uh, raising questions of conscience. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered uh, in sacrifice, then do not eat it. Both for your sake, or the, both for the sake of the man who told you and for or conscience sake. The other man's conscience, not your own. I mean, not yours. For why should my freedom be judged by others' conscience? Now that's a good escape right there. That's what we would use to do it anyway, right? If I take part in the meal with Thanksgiving, why am I denounced? Because of something uh, I've given thank to God for. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble whether Jew or Greek or Church of God. Even as I try to please everybody in every way for I am 
not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved, following my example, as I follow example of Christ. Okay. If this, this is this is the in verse twenty-seven. This is the part of this scripture that changes the whole concept. Of sometimes we think about, you know, God sent us on a mission field and they want us to eat something, you know, or drink something that offends somebody, you know, so weird they just got to be offended. But that's not what this scripture says. In verse 27, it says, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, you can unline that word. You see, it's a different. When God calls you to be a witness to somebody, even if it's a heathen or in because Jesus, he ministered to people in their own homes and in their heathen atmosphere. But you see, it's a different when God comes. So that brings us a little bit more to earth here. Suppose you got a company event. God, you know, you got this this uh, vendor that wants to take you on this deep sea fishing trip. There's nothing wrong with that. I love it myself. If you feel free to act, you talk to me. <laughs> but when you find out that this uh, vendor is taking you on a trip, and all the deckhands or ladies in bikini, <laughs> that there's all the alcohol they can drink. And the bottom line is, that's the only reason they're going in the first place. Mm. Now, granted, you might could go and behave yourself. You might could go and even catch a fish. <laughs> but, Think about the witness of all the times that you have witnessed to everybody in your office or in your business against this very thing. Mm -hmm. Think about the witness that you lose when people that follow you or your example find out where you were and what you were doing. You can explain all you want away. Mm. We had a president said, when he was accused of smoking drugs, he said, well, I didn't inhale. <laughs> okay? I didn't inhale. You can explain all you want, but the witness and the, the testimony, the damage is already done. Mm. This is the bottom line in verse 31. This is what you measure that against. Is that you measure it that you do all that you do for the glory of God. Now, you know, uh, and it's not what you don't do, Eric says that. It's not what you don't do that makes you holy, you know. If you don't drink, you don't smoke, you know, you know that doesn't make you holy. But I would say that it makes you smell like you already been to hell. Man, <laughs> <laughs> like you've been close anyway. But that's not the issue. I'm not saying, I'm not putting down on that. But I am encouraging you to weigh your motive for why you do things. Everything you do, weigh the motive, weigh yourself, measure yourself. Against this word of God, glorifies God. What the, the Bible says that all things are profitable. I mean, permissible, but not all things are profitable. Mm -hmm. So that's not only talking about you. You can do things in here that you can get away with, and it won't condemn you to hell. But is it profitable to the kingdom of God and to those you're trying to witness to? You know, when I first got saved, I came out of Catholicism. 
and see, we didn't have any problem drinking. No. <laughs> we just needed a cage and all But the thing was this, I quickly realized, you know, I was riding to work, I was a young guy, riding to work with them, really heathen, you know. Yeah. They're going on to be wherever now, today. But we stopped on a Friday evening at this ballroom. Now, I was way too holy to go in this place. But I sent him in yeah. to, get me, to get me a beer. So, you know, I thought everything was cool. And when he got back, he was laughing. I said, man, what's wrong with you? He said, well, the barmaid in there, when I, I told her I wanted two beers, she said, well, who's the other one for? He said, that's for my preacher friend in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> So, my witness was kind of clapping. That's just one thing. You know, and there was another time when we were out witnessing around the LSU campus. We had some tremendous time. We saw some miracles there. And uh, anyway, there was this one guy that we were witnessing to. Man, he was just absorbing the word. You know, just asking questions and absorbing the word. And then with this other guy leaning against the wall with a beer and a cigarette hanging out his lip. And we would share things and he would say, that's right, brother, amen, you preach it. <laughs> and finally this guy that we were ministering to turned around to him and he said, man, who are you? I see you out here every week. You're doing the same drugs, you're doing the same alcohol, you're drunk in the alleyway with the rest of us. Do all that you do to the glory of God. Amen. Mm. Am I saying that these things are wrong? No. I'm saying, you know, you're saying if you don't do these things to make you holy, no. stained glass in your house won't make you holy. Mm. But I'm challenging you to measure your motive today. To measure your motive today. <clears throat> you know, we need to live. We need to live our life each day like the soul of someone else is counting. And in more ways than one they are. We need to live our lives as an example. We need to come to a point in our lives when we say, don't listen to me. We want you to follow me. When I do, you do. Where I go, you go. Are we there? Do we feel comfortable in our walk with God to say that to someone? Because even if you don't say it, there's people out there that's counting on you. Even if they're lost, they're counting on you. That's true. You know, uh, I heard a minister say just a few months back, he said that. He was ministering in Africa. Him and his family were there. And while they were there, they took time to go through a wildlife refuge. And in this refuge, one of the, uh, the guys that was there, he told him, he said, you see that animal over there, that compiler, um, whatever it is? He said, what color is that? Well, it's brown. He said, why do you think? Because it blends in with the rest of the world. It's around. That's around. So what color is that animal? It's brown. It's for the same thing, and blends in. And then at that time, one of them turned and walked away the other way. He said, now what do you see? He says, I see some markings on it. He said, in the flanks, it's different colors, black line or it's white, white behind the ears, and around the tail is white. It's got special markings on it. He said, you know why that is? He said, because the young that follow it had that mark. 
And that marking they follow distinguish it from all the rest of the world that's around it. And that young animal that's following it is so focused in on the marking that's separate from the world that when that animal, when that mother stops, he stops. When that mother runs, he runs. When, he, when she lays down, he lays down. And that's the way God intends for us to be Amen. in the world. He intends us to be in the world, but to be unique. Mm. He calls you to be peculiar. Peculiar people. He wants us to bear his mark upon us that separates us. Mm -hmm. But we don't do that for our own good. Like Zeke preaches. Not about you. Mm -hmm. He wants us to be an example for those that follow us. <clears throat> We're not doing too bad on the job. <laughs> but we look back. I want to look back on that uh, scripture about the rich young man. In Matthew uh, 19. <laughs> I want to start asking you where we're going. <laughs> there. Sometimes in pages get thick. Or sometimes I'll turn too many of them. Matthew 19. I know it was here different. Okay. But let's look in verse 21. Jesus answered. He said, If you want to be What's that one? Oh, that puts a different light on my witness. Mm. He says, if you want to be perfect. You know, too much in the church today is based upon not being perfect, but based upon getting by. We based our whole salvation on doing just enough to get by. And that's what the, the young man thought. He, he thought he was getting by. But he says, if you want to be perfect. Now, <clears throat> look with me in Matthew 5. 548. Are you there yet? No. <laughs> Five verse forty-eight. It says, "Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect." And down here in the footnote, it says, "Be perfect, be perfect." Christ has set a high ideal of perfect love. Not that we can fully attain it in this life. But that, however, is God's high standard for us. So let me tell you, let me give you a little bit of advice. If God sets a standard, even though we can't get there, we need to reach for it. Amen. Anybody agree with that? Yes. yes. We need to reach for the standard that God set in this world. Amen? Amen. Now, what does perfect mean? And we can read that in First Peter. First um, Peter 1, 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had 
when you live in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, okay, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. And how do we do that? You can't be holy without the power of the Holy Spirit active in your life. Now, I'm going to read some things today from a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. How many people in here have ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Wow, great. You know, <clears throat> Smith Wigglesworth had a tremendous ministry. <laughs> That's putting him off. He had a tremendous anointing. He was known as the prophet of faith. He, he was born in England in 1859. And he died in 1947. <laughs> he was a plumber before he was a minister. And listening to, talking to, uh, listening to his stories, he was working as a plumber's helper when he was six years old. Wow. He had, had his uh, priorities and his standard of uh, set at a very early age. You know, but God used him to do some tremendous things. He raised people from the dead. It says that he raised his wife from the dead. He came back alive long enough just to say, Smith, let me go. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> he was known to walk on a train and when he passed by people, just passed by him in an hour, they weep with conviction. Now, how many of us want that? We'd like to have that kind of anointing. But he paid a great price. Mm. I mean, he had pain in his life. He lived things just like the rest of us. From what I understand, he actually passed over 20 kidney stones. Mm. That's enough pain right there. Mm. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> he, he would often, he would often, uh, challenge people would often and sometimes he'd even give them a reward if they'd ever catch him without a body. Hmm. You know, <clears throat> we we think about people and men and people like this and we want to annoy them, but how much of the price are we willing to pay? Amen? Well, this is one of, this is, the, I'm going to read parts of it. His sermon is emerging in the Holy Ghost. Now, he says Holy Ghost, and a lot of the early Pentecostals used that word Holy Ghost instead of Holy Spirit because they thought Holy Spirit was not powerful. Mm -hmm. They used Holy Ghost. Because he could have had some British influence on that. <clears throat> but he says baptism of the Holy Ghost is a great beginning. We think it's everything. And he said, just the baptism of the Holy Ghost, hey, that's just where you get started. I think the best word we can say is, Lord, what thou hast me to do. So he, he's putting that power that's invested in him to work, but he's asking God, what is he supposed to do? The greatest difficulty uh, with us today is uh, to be held in place where it shall be God only. It is so easy to get our own mind at work, but the working of the Holy Ghost is different. I believe there is a mind of Christ 
and we may be so emerged in the spirit that we are all day long asking, Lord, what can I do? <clears throat> he says, I believe God, the Holy Ghost, wants to teach us that it is not only the person, the people on the platform that can do these things in prayer, but you. The Lord can move things through you. We have learned, we have to learn the power of the breath of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. If I am filled with the Holy Ghost, He will formulate the Word, the Word of God, that will come into my heart. The sound of the voice is only the breath that goes out of it, which is the breath of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you didn't take any notes today, you need to take heed of this. You need to remember this. If you remember anything, or don't remember anything else that I said today, you need to remember this. The secret of the future is living and moving in the power of the Holy Ghost. The one thing I rejoice in is that there need not be one hour or one moment when I do not know the Holy Ghost is upon me. You heard what he said? If we're going to walk with God and keep our eyes focused on what he's calling us to do, and he's calling us to be, and he's calling us to say, we need to always be conscious and aware that the Holy Spirit is upon us. Hey, you know what? We, we can't get in trouble. We want sin before God when we know he's, he's, he's here upon us. So if we're conscious that the without Holy one hour, one moment, where we take our mind off of God and onto our own self and our own desires and our own flesh and our own needs, <clears throat> that's the secret to fulfilling everything we talked about today. It's moving in the power of the Holy Ghost. And one thing I rejoice in is that not one hour, not one moment that I do not know the Holy Ghost is upon me. Thank you, people. Mm -hmm.